Hello, creatives. Welcome back to the Creative Human Podcast. I am Vanessa Frino, your host. I'm so pumped about this week's episode. Like, I literally can't even wrap my head around how we got this guest speaker. So grateful, so grateful, and I'm so excited to be able to share the details with you. So here we go. Let's get right to it. This week's episode, we are speaking with Deepa Gandhi, who is the co-founder and chief operating officer of the bag brand Dagny Dover. Deepa oversees all day-to-day operations and is strategic planning as well. She's also doing spanning from supply chain management to inventory and logistics. Deepa comes from a strong finance and fashion background, previously with Club Monaco and Liam Brothers. Her analytical industry insights have made her a key contributor in driving Dagny Dover's growth since the company's inception. Graduate of John Hopkins University and the Wharton School of Business, Deepa is also a 2015 Forbes 30 Under 30 honoree. I am so excited to have you here, Deepa. Welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me and really excited. Thank you. So I want to share a little background before we get started. I absolutely have been, um, I'm like, I'm just obsessed with Dagny Dover and the brand and my mom who's here on the call. She knows like, you know, it's just one of these things, you know, I am so grateful that you are here and it's so important to see brands that are human. I reached out to Deepa's um, team and I, I, poured my heart out. And I said, we're doing this event. We did it last year. We're doing it this year. We're honoring women with an award ceremony as well. Um, Would any of your co-founders be available slash interested to, you know, make time for this little community that we have in Boston? And they replied. And to me, that reply meant the world to me, whether Um, you know, Deepa was available or not, like that meant so, so much. And it's the power, right, of being human that I want to remind people it's so important as we grow our companies or our businesses or even our, our careers. It's so important not to forget about our roots and just, you know, paying it forward. And I was so grateful to hear from your team. Um, And thank you so much for being here. (laughs) I would love to, uh, for people who might not be familiar with, you know, Dagny, if you can talk a little bit more about your background and how Dagny came about and tell them all that good stuff. So I, um, we launched Dagny in 2013, but prior to that, just a little bit more on myself. um, I started my career in finance. I was working on the trading floor at Lehman Brothers when Lehman Brothers was still a, a company. And I um, started in a very male dominated, um, not even dominated, a male environment, let's be real. (laughs) And what really happened was I was there, I had, you know, an amazing job, right? I had the dream job coming out of college, working in an analyst program on Wall Street, very exciting, high pace, high everything, but then also really toxic. And I wasn't passionate about it. Like I literally like just my job. And I know you have some questions to ask me later. So I won't like get too much into that experience because there's good answers from that experience for some of the other questions that you, I know you're going to be asking. So we'll save those um, those stories. But I essentially was forced to really like relook at what I was doing. And I'm a planner. I've been a planner since I was a child. So I'd always thought, okay, I'm going to graduate college, get my job in finance, 
Then after three to four years, go to business school, get my MBA, and then I'll go work in an industry, probably consumer focused retail fashion type of um, company and build my career after that. And what I quickly learned is that we, um, to work in the retail industry, you need real experience. They don't care if you have a fancy MBA. They don't care about that. They want to know, do you understand how this business works? Do you understand like trend forecasting and merchandising strategy and things like that, which you can't learn in a classroom, right? It's real, real-time experience that gives you that. So living in New York, I was able to start building my network. And through that, one of my very good friends, she introduced me to one of her friends, who worked at Clamaco, which is a, um, a Ralph Lauren owned company. And I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. And I still had this big question, which was what does like a finance girl do in fashion? Who knows? Like, really, what do I do? And I didn't want to be an accountant, right? That was like, what I assumed. I was like, either I stay and do this, or I like go and be an accountant at a fashion company, which didn't sound too fun for what I wanted to ultimately do, right? I wanted to be involved in strategy and things like that. So I um, eventually learned about the merchandising and planning world, which is where you do all the forecasting and strategic decision-making around how do we actually merchandise our business and assortment and run it, which was very exciting. So I got a job, took a major pay cut, but it was a calculated risk that I took. I said, if I want to pursue the long-term career that I want for myself, I think this is the right move. And by the way, it definitely was. And so I spent about four years there, was able to get a lot of great experience. We were a relatively small company at the time with a very, very rich parent in Ross Lauren. So it was very nice because I got to learn a ton, but also kind of see what the dynamics of a smaller to medium-sized company is. How do you grow? It was, you know, it was 2008 to 2011 was really when I was there. And so we were going through the recession, right? Consumer spending really had shifted got to learn a ton about how do you manage the operational financial supply chain side of a retailer. I then went to business school at Wharton and one of my very good friends, same friend who actually introduced me to the friend who hired me at Club Monaco. So, you know, nice little storyline there. Um, her name's Melissa. She had this amazing idea to build this better bag brand. She was the year above me at Wharton. We'd been friends forever. She had worked at Coach. And she was like, this industry is broken. And this was around the same time that the Warby Parkers and Bonoboses had recently launched and really brought to light the fact that you can bring a brand and product to market in a much easier way, right? If you go direct to consumer, you build an e-commerce company, you can do that. So she had the idea. I was like, yes, we need this. We need a, a bag brand that actually addresses women's needs, which means, you know, actually has function and isn't just, you know, beautiful um, handbag. It's not just arm candy. And one that also is a more affordable, attainable price point. Um, I'm not saying we have like the most attainable price point, but more than, you know, a $500 bag or a $1,000 bag. And but still really high quality. So we started running and we found our third co-founder, Jesse, who is the Dover of Dagny Dover and had recently graduated from Parsons, also was like, yes, I've been dying to design this product. And so the three of us um, really started working together um, in 2012. We launched the brand in 2013. And I can't believe we're like going on eight years now and been very fortunate. We I've had an, we've had an amazing team set of investors and also um, advisors and a network that has really, really allowed us to build a brand that today I can say we're really proud of. Um, for us, we started the company not just to sell better handbags, we started it also to build a better company, especially for women. 
right? Like we considered ourselves very female forward. We still are very female forward. And I think today in 2021, that is more important than even like, what we sell is great, but like the team and the culture and the people is really what matters to us. So a little bit about me um, and excited to dig into it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Can we dig a little bit deeper um, into when you were um, younger? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, I know you were definitely a planner since you were young. Was that the plan since day one? Or has that changed since when you were younger? Oh, yeah. Like, I, my mom always tells the story, which is, she's like, you know, I was in like third grade or something. And, you know, their project was, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Like it was supposed to be like more of a fill in the blank. And I come home and I had literally like a, like a 20 year plan. And part of that 20 year plan was starting my own business. So I have been able to accomplish that, which is really great. But I think for me, being an entrepreneur is something that was always in me. I believe like even when I was at, um, for example, at Club Monaco, I did a lot of entrepreneurial work, right? There were opportunities or we would launch a small little product and I'd be like, guys, I think this can be a full business for us. Like, let's figure it out. Let's build it. Let's grow it. How do we do all of this? I was somebody who wanted to learn about every part of the business. And I think those are the things that as an entrepreneur, you, you want to do, right? You want to know every, about everything. You want to be in everything and you want to innovate. And if you see opportunity, you want to run for it. So um, I think it's always been, actually, I know for a fact, it's always been part of my um, plan. And it was one of the main reasons I went back to business school and I'm um, really happy it's working out so far. And I don't think I'll ever go back to like the traditional corporate environment because once you, once you're in this like very nice, like kind of you own your own destiny type of um, situation, it's, um, it's addicting. Since we're still talking about your, like your adolescence and younger childhood, like what was life like for you? You know, where did you live? Can you tell us a little bit of like, how did you grow up? Um, yes. And Lisa was the um, woman who's speaking before me, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to say thank you, Lisa. Cause I was like, how open versus like a nice version of the story should I give? And you were very honest and I really appreciate that. Like seriously, kudos to you and your story. And so I'm going to be open. I think, you know, and I agree with you actually, like openness is important. It's important for people to know where do you come from? What drives you? So I had an interesting experience. I, um, I grew up in, you know, like Northern New Jersey in a very nice su suburban environment. Um, and went to like great, great, like public school, but like really great, like suburban public schools, went to a magnet, um, like math and science focused high school. So I'm like, I've been a nerd my whole life. I will always be a nerd. I was one as a child. I'm one now. I still love spreadsheets and math at the end of the day. But um, I, um, but my home environment was very interesting. On the outside, we looked perfect. We looked like this, like perfect little Indian family with two daughters who you know, did ac excelled academically, got, you know, went to great colleges, went to get great jobs, but the home environment was not fantastic. My mother is a force of nature and she is the entire reason I am who I am and where I am today. But my father was not a great person. And, um, you know, they had had an arranged marriage in India and moved here and it was not good from the beginning. My mother stuck with him, stuck with him because he paid for she fought to make sure he paid for our college, right? I was lucky enough to graduate from college debt-free and things like that, which not everybody gets, but she was the one who took on that load. Um, but she also then, as a result, raised my sister and me to be 
unbelievably independent, right? From the day that we were, I can remember, it was like, you're going to go to a great college, you're going to excel in school because you need to be financially independent and just like a very strong-willed, strong-minded woman and don't let anything stop you. And I like get choked up right now. Um, and yeah, without that, without that push, without that drive that was just instilled in me from day one, no matter what she was going through, in her situation, her personal situation, really got me to where I am. And I think it's given me a level of grit and resilience that um, really did help in starting a business. But that was my, that was like kind of my like foundation, right? It was um, very female focused, very, you know, very strong willed and um, determined. And I wouldn't have had that, I think, if I had grown up in the environment I did. And to me, you know, supporting other women specifically is paramount, right? And um, especially knowing that you can never know what's happening at home if you, you know, from the outside, because, you know, I even had friends that I didn't open up about, about what was going on at home until later in life when we were in college, some of them when we were in our 20s. And we also then went through a divorce for my mother, which was very successful. And we fought for her and we were able to do that, which was a big win in our life. But um, it's an, it was a very formative experience. And I think people often are like, well, did you learn anything from it beyond being strong-willed? I was like, actually, I learned, I, my father was also an entrepreneur, but made some very bad business decisions. And so I was like, at least I think it's made me a better entrepreneur myself because I have very strict disciplined rules of what you do and you don't do um, because of how the environment I was raised in. So a very interesting, um, not necessarily unique, but um, important experience. Thank you for, for being able to be vulnerable, right? And be transparent about those things that sometimes we don't talk about, right? Um, and I think that it's important because a lot of us um, might have come from backgrounds that were not supportive or might have been toxic or we might have dealt with abuse um, or we have might dealt with divorce or not have lived with our you know, biological parents. Um, and I think that's something that we need to normalize these conversations because there are yeah. so many people who are also going through this, right? And I think, um, I, all, I, I, you know, when I speak with my grandma, she's always someone who tells my grandma, my mom, at least sometimes like, shh, don't ask questions. Shh, you know, it's okay. Shh. And my mom now who's learned her voice turns around and says, I have my voice. Don't shush me. And you have your voice too. say something. And some of the, Absolutely. right. Right. And some of the things that we've started learning, um, you know, just digging deeper to going through that, you know, a healing from our generations that it's just been passed on for so long is that we didn't have the opportunities that we have today as women, right? Back then, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've heard some people and some women in my family say, I've never wanted to get married. I've never wanted to have kids. I wanted, you know, to have my career. And today to me, it's, it's such a, privilege to be able to do that on their behalf for what's you know good for me does that you know resonate with you oh my god so much like I yeah my my, my mom wasn't allowed to work she wanted to like even actually literally last week it came up she's like you know I always wanted to be a lawyer and I was like I know mom like and you would have probably been actually anybody that's ever heard her say that the knows her is like, I would have never wanted to be on the other side of you. <laughs> like she, right. Like she would have, she would have been an amazing lawyer and it just wasn't in the cards for her. 
And, and what we try to actually remind her is like, while it wasn't in the cards for you, you have two daughters who have done really well. Like my sister is a partner at a major consulting firm. Like, and she was really, she was 36 when she made partner, like really phenomenal story. And she is the woman in the room still with all of these men, like, right. She'll be with like senior leadership at her company. And she is the, she is the woman in the room. She's worked really hard. And then I've been able to not just launch, but build a somewhat successful, successful enough business. We'll see. Um, and so I, I fully resonate. And so much of what drives me and my sister isn't just our own personal goals, but we want my mom to believe that while she wasn't able to like earn money, she like she invested in us and we're paying out the dividends, right? Like that's, that's how we like to think about it. And like my husband and my brother-in-law, they're like the first to always remind my mom. They're like, look at what you did. Like you did that. And that was your, that was what you worked on. That's what you invested in. And that's why we get to live the lives we did. And um, it's, yeah, so it really resonates with me. And there's more women I know that fall into that. And I think one thing that's great though is, um, yeah, it was very taboo to speak about what was happening at home when we were growing up. But I actually love that my mom has become much more vocal about it, even if she rubs certain people in, in the Indian community the wrong way. And um, as a result, she's become an advocate for some people and she's also become a resource for people. So it's been really great to watch her be able to transform her personal experience into one that was positive for herself, but is actually positive for other people as well. Wow. I got chills. <laughs> I think one of my favorite quotes um, is I am my ancestors wildest dreams. And I constantly think about that, right? When I do things, yeah. because, um, we have to remember our roots and where we came from and things might have not been good back then, but you know, there's no better time now to start and digging and going back to the roots and understanding, you know, why, why, why? Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that's great. Um, was there anybody else in particular in your life growing up that was like super, super impactful to you? Um, whether that was a positive or a negative aside from your mom? Um, so I would say I can't answer these questions without calling out my older sister, um, yeah. who I've already mentioned. Like she yeah. was my, she protected me also. I was the younger one. So she protected me through all of it and she paved the path. So she figured out how do you get into this college? What do you do here? How do you get your first job? All these things. And she has always allowed me to um, blossom as a result of her experiences. And she's just like, she is my, my, she was my other mom growing up and she still is. And now we're much more closer to where we like our life experiences are, but um, I would not know how to be who I am or like do anything without her. And she's such a positive role model. And she is for so many other people, which is really great to always see. Yeah. In addition to that, um, I would say, I would like it's not a specific person, but I went to, as I mentioned, I went to a high school that was focused on math and science. And as a result, there was a very specific type of person that worked there and also were my peers. And I found that very important because I was able to find myself when for many years I felt very lost in who I was. Um, whether it was from a diversity perspective, an interest perspective, any of that, because I grew up in a very, um, like I think we were one of the only Asian families in our town growing up and things like that. So it was, um, it was really great to go to the school where it was much more diverse um, in every way, shape or form, more people that were interested in what I was interested in. And I think um, I built a lot of confidence 
in over those four years of high school that I'm really happy I was able to because I think it really set kind of like it reset my path in life and like got me to where I am today. And I'm still so close to a couple of my friends from high school as a result. Like they're my biggest champions and continue to be. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, can we dig into a little bit, maybe health or trauma situations that you might've seen others um, go through, or you personally have gone through that have really helped you pivot as the woman that you are today to make it part of your superpower? Um, so we talked about my mom. That's probably the number one thing that has mm-hmm. um, pushed me to be who I am. But I would say I, about three years ago, one of my, my closest friends, literally my they're basically siblings, um, lost their son to a terminal disease. He was very young. And the level of positivity that they maintained through the process and after, and like when you are truly there, like we are family, right? Like we might not look the same at all, but we are family. Um, it really changed my perspective. Like I really have taken that experience to be like, you know what, like not just be thankful for everything that you get to do, but also own it. And, um, like the, the father, he, he would always be like, even before his kids got sick, but like even after, um, whenever we talk about Dagny, he'd be like, oh my God, you guys are, you're successful. And I would always be so stressed. Like I would always have like tons of stress and you could feel it, right? Like, it, it, like I held it in my shoulders, literally. Like if you, whenever, t- anytime I went to get a massage, they'd be like, what, what happens to you? Cause this is just all stress, right? And he would all, and I'd be like, no, I'm like, I have to do this and I have to do this and we have to go fundraise and we have to do this. And I have this revenue goal, blah, 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 blah. That was everything here, 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 just like weighing me down. And I'm a very positive outgoing person. So I always was that, but these are the people who heard my like inner monologue, right? And I'd be like, but like you launched a business, like you literally launched a business and you have revenue coming in. Like, isn't that success? And then we would do, you know, X in revenue or launch another product line or make something like Forbes 30 under 30. And they would be like, dude, like take a moment, breathe, reflect on what you're doing. And I think like, that message coupled with what then they were going through, I was like, dude, you have, you have to take the moment. You have to sit back and you have to appreciate what you have. And so um, I'm not always good at it, but I really do let that sit with me always. And like, I'm like, yeah, make the most of everything and also just see the good, right? Every experience is something to learn from. You shouldn't let it like pull you back. And to be honest, I'm like, if they can be the people that they are today with everything they've gone through, um, than, you know, me and all the people around me, we should, we should as well. And um, we're all really fortunate. We've worked really hard to get to where we are. And we should also enjoy that, which is another lesson that they really taught me because they'd be like, and, you know, um, so anyways, uh, I think that those are probably the two biggest experiences I've gone through in my life that I think are the reason why I have the perspective um, and outlook that I have on life. Thank you for sharing. Are there any um, things like right now, um, just shifting more to where we are today in your life? Like what is like a typical day life, you know, typical day for you? Like, I'm sure there it's ever evolving. If you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> what does that look like? And now um, being in like virtual, you know, virtual, I'm, I'm, is it okay to assume that your team is virtual? Oh, we were very virtual. We like literally gave up our office. We already had a very, very, part of being like female forward and like very millennial friendly and all of that that we are. 
Um, we had a very flexible work from home policy to start. So literally when all this hit, we were like, hey guys, you know what to do. Just, you know, we're good. Yeah. And we are also like all germaphobes, like all of us, like literally, and we're, it's a small office, it's a small team. So like during flu season, literally, I'm always the person who's like, hey guys, flu season is starting. If you're not feeling well, please work from home. Like we have a flexible policy. We have like all the processes in place. Do not get your neighbor sick. Like just stay at home because <laughs> that would happen. If one person got sick, everybody would get sick. So when COVID like started and because we have um, all of our manufacturing partners are in Asia. We were hearing about like COVID, like before here, everybody was really talking about it here. Like my head of sourcing and production was like, guys, this is bad. And so we like three or three weeks, two to three weeks before everything started to shut down in New York, we already were like, you don't need to be in the office, don't come in. And then we we're like, nope, go in. And like two weeks before, like, no, nope, everybody's working from home. So yeah, we had a very wow. seamless transition to it, which is great. And then we ended up giving up our office because we're like, we're probably not going to even reopen an, an office space, which we're actually even trying to think about what the new version of an office space is going to be because certain people have now relocated potentially permanently out of this. And um, probably 2022, we're like, not even this year, we're just gonna wait. And our team has been thriving. That's the other thing that we're loving is our team is thriving because they, um, they feel supported. Um, cultures remained really strong and we've all like locked down and worked really hard in 2020. So um, we did do that. But um, in terms of my typical day, um, in the past year and a half or so, it's really changed. So I had a kid about 16 months ago. So my day is actually more, um, scheduled now than it's ever been in my entire career with Dagny but yeah so now generally it starts early sometime between 5 45 and 7 a.m with a wake-up call um not a wake-up call but a wake-up cry or scream or something generally a mommy um and um I get to spend the morning which I love it's like one of the best things um with my son and my husband or depending on how he's been sleeping or work has been going, we switch off. We do one morning me, one morning my husband, which is very nice. Have a super supportive partner. And um, we hang out, we do stuff, we FaceTime family members because in COVID world, you want them, you want your kids to still know their aunts, uncles, grandparents. So FaceTime has been very instrumental. He's very good at FaceTime. It's amazing how a 16 month old knows exactly how to get his face perfectly in the screen and interact and show fit it's amazing he'll be like huh you want to see this like I'm like wow like and so even like the grandparents like we we're not as good at this as he is um so we do that and then um generally my day starts around 9 9 30 um start taking calls generally at 10 and then honestly these days I start with a call at 10 and by I am literally on a call until 6 30 if not later, I do try to stop my day at six so I can then go and spend more time with my family. And then bedtime around 8 p.m. And then probably a half an hour to an hour, depending on how much I have going on, extra work. And then I binge watch some Netflix because really guys, it's necessary in life. And then bedtime for me. And then we repeat. So one thing I'm trying to be better about is getting vitamin D, so like going out for a walk rather than staying indoors. Um, prior to that, I would say prior to having a kid, my days were much longer. Um, we were also a much smaller com company. Um, so I've been able to like luckily make some very, very high quality key hires who have allowed me to not work till 11 p.m. or midnight every day. But there was a part of my life where my days were like nine 
to start working at nine and literally go to like 11 p.m. on the regular. Um, but I think those days are behind me, which is nice thanks to the wonderful team at Dagny. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, I want to go back to when you were talking about, you know, working in a male dominated industry. Like, do you have any tips for anybody that might be here? Like, you know, how to survive in that and how to, yeah, own it. That's so much. The world has changed since I was there. Um, I often like try to, I used to, I don't do this as much now, but I used to be like, how would I have handled that situation knowing what I know today? Um, I think the first thing is have the confidence no matter what anybody says to you, because if you are sitting in that seat and you have that job and you are in the room, you are meant to be there. Do not question it for a second, because guess what? The guy you're sitting next to isn't questioning why he's there, even if you're 10 times better than him at the job that he is doing, which is literally the situation I had at that first job. Like I sat next to a second year analyst who was lackluster to say the least. But guess what? At the end of the day, guess who got to go out and get beers? with the head of the group, not this girl, that guy. The one time, literally the one time I made a mistake on a trade, he was like, he was like literally like a little kid, like tattletelling. He was like, people made a mistake. And I was like, hey, people. And already the head of my group thought I was dumb because I was a petite woman, like seriously, a young petite woman, like no joke. And, um, and if you are a petite woman, own it, like, 100%. It's one of those things that you have to, you literally have to project the image of who you want to be, mm-hmm. not the person you are. So if you were like, I want to eventually be CEO of this company, I'm going to speak like that. Yes, don't talk over your CEO, don't talk over to your boss, right? But speak that way, present yourself that way. Um, and something we also tell our, our team at Dagny, because we have a lot of young women, but I'm like, you, no matter what conversation you're in, present that way because who you present to the world is who they're going to believe in. Men are the best at it. They might have no idea what they're saying. And they're like, let me tell you. Yeah. You know what? We can do the same thing. And I, to be honest, have learned so much from my husband. Like we've been together for 10 years now and he is always shocked by the experiences that I sometimes have. Um, And because like he views me as his equal, like, right. He grew up with these, with the mom who worked, two older sisters who are forces and so in his mind he's like great and right he wanted to also date and marry somebody who was like that and supported me in my entrepreneurial career so he's like yeah we went to the same business school right all these things he's like we're equal but when he has seen the times that I have not been treated equally right like people will talk to both of us speak to him not speak to me be sometimes shocked that I have answers shocked that I run a successful business so many other things and he's just like, it's crazy. And even recently in the past year, sometimes I was like talking about something. He's like, do you still feel like you're not credited as much as like a male counterpart sometimes? I was like, all the time. And I was like, so I'm like, I, I'm like, as a woman, I feel like we always have to watch every word, every action, how we're dressed, how we're doing this, how are we sitting, all of these things. And he was like blown away. He's like, at this point in your career, you still feel that way? I was like, I don't just feel that way. I know I have to. There are times I walk into a room and I know I can own it. There are times where I walk in and I make myself own it now because I have built that confidence. But have that confidence because you are meant to be there. 
And sometimes you might be leveling up, right? Like you might be in a conversation that you're like, wow, stuff is going in my head. Let them do the research, ask the questions, find advisors, find mentors. There's ways that you can support yourself, but always have the confidence because guess what? That guy across the table, he has all the confidence and just just know that you're meant to be there. Yeah. I love that. I love, um, I love the energy that you bring and thank you for being such an inspiration. And I think that's just what sometimes one of the things that we, we forget, like just ask the question, people really want to help. Um, and if they don't like, they don't take it personal They're they won't answer just go, you know, yeah. keep going. You know what I mean? Um, like Oprah says, you only have in life what you get the courage to ask for. Um, yeah. I love, love, love that quote. Can we talk a little bit more about some um, collections? Do you get involved in the process? What is your favorite bag maybe? What does that look like? Oh yeah, um, so I'm not the creative, Jesse is, but we are very collaborative with um, the thought process around what should we be launching? Where do we see opportunity? What are the pain points? Like you don't want me designing the bags, like trust me on that one. Okay. Jesse and her team are Unbelievable. Honestly, like, I don't know how they do what they do. Like as a spreadsheet person, okay. Um, I just I'm like blown away. Like they're working on stuff right now, right? And then I'm just like, how? Where do you find constant inspiration? And that's why she's the expert at what she does. And she's like, I don't know how you you know run financial models. I was like, this is true, right? Like we both do very different things, and it's great to have that collaborative nature and respect. But um. I'm involved in the where's the opportunity, market research, right? All of that. And then merchandising strategy, pricing strategy, all of those things. And in terms of favorite bags, um, I would have to call out two bags, which are also our bestsellers right now. Um, and a lot of it's because of COVID life. But one specifically is the um, Mara Bone Sling. So it's this perfect little, I don't have one right here, but um, it's like the perfect running around option. It carries just your phone, your essentials. Like I fit a hand sanitizer, I can't fit a face mask if I want to take it off for like going into my apartment. Um, and uh, um, I also sometimes keep an extra one just in case you never know. And then um, my hand sanitizer, like credit cards and keys and phone, like literally all that you need to really live life these days, especially if you live in the, uh, a city like I do. And um, my second favorite bag is um, the indie diaper backpack. So I had a baby. And we launched a baby bag literally like the month that we were, I had my baby. So it was like a zero. I was like, oh my God, did you guys like do that on purpose? I was like, actually the baby bag collection was in the works well before I was even thinking about having a child. Cause it takes us like 18 to 24 months to actually go through the like design and development and then launch process because there's so much thought and, um, and care that is given to our products. Um, so, cause we have to test, we have to do all these things. So I would say those are my two favorite. I love a backpack. It's what's funny is prior to Dagny, I was like, I was, I was like in middle school carrying like a tote or like a messenger bag. I thought backpacks like made me look young and I didn't like them. But then when Jesse designed our backpacks, I was like, ooh, these are cool and I can do this. So I've become a huge backpack person. I don't know the last time I carried a, a traditional tote. And um, yeah, those are my favorites. Ah, there's so many good ones, but those are the two that I would say I couldn't live without. Okay. I 
I absolutely love the way you guys have sort of the VIP preview to all those who sign up for the new collection. I impatiently wait for it just to see the colors that are coming. They're so vibrant, but then there's also ones that are so cool and casual. I, I mean, I, I can brag all day long about Dagny. So you please Thank you. check it out. Um, if you want to see my collection, FaceTime me anybody, cause we just have to walk <laughs> into my closet. Um, I absolutely love the backpack as well. I a hundred percent. And I, I, I absolutely love traveling with them are so, I don't know. They're so economical. Okay. Can we talk about tips, tips, right? So we have a few people here who might be, um, uh, career professionals or they have their businesses like, okay, say someone's starting their business or they're trying to pivot or plan for 2021. Like what are the top three things that you're like, you must do period any year or 2021 type of thing. Say any year. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so I think first thing is, um, I always say this, like live a life of no regrets, oh. right? Like whether yeah. you have had failures or mistakes, don't view it that way. View it as an experience that you're able to learn from and then grow off of, right? So I think that's like a very, very big part of how I try to live my life. Um, and I'm happy to give examples because I used to get yeah. very down, like, right, I, I'm like I was a perfectionist, right? on to a certain degree but I used to be like oh my god how did you know if you harp on that it, it only affects the future right you can't go back and change the past so live a life of no regrets um the second one would be surround yourself with people that are worth your time yeah like if somebody is toxic and doesn't make you feel good cut them out of your life whether it's a coworker um friends family like I I will say like I'm I've, I'm very fortunate I have a lot of really close friends and family and I have a great world around me um and but for there was so much of my like teens and then 20s I would say where I got caught up in like wanting to be liked that even if I didn't feel great about myself around certain people. I was like, oh, but they're like popular. They're like, they're doing this. They seem fun or everybody's friends with them. So I should be, no, cut them. Not worth it. Somebody's truly toxic or doesn't think you're great. Cut them out of your life. Like there is nothing wrong with that. And I think you should not be wasting any, any like of your oxygen on people that don't add value to yeah. your life. And that means if you need to like start fresh, find new people, do it like get on bumble biz find friends um you know or like clubhouse now there's all these great ways to meet people but anywho um i think that's a really important one wow. because i think that like i think negative negative energy from others is like one of the biggest sucks of your own personal energy um and a dagny something we like to say which i very much believe in is like you're responsible for the energy that you bring so you if you're responsible for your energy how do you cultivate positive clean really great energy. Um, so those are like two life lessons for 2021. Um, I would say, oh my God, so many thoughts. I was not prepared for this one, um, but I, I'll give it 2021 specifically. I'm actually gonna say get vitamin D. Make sure even if you're not get it, like get out there. And, and this is advice for myself too, is make sure. And like, while I have like my Peloton in the back that I honestly have not used in months. Um, I got it for the first time last week in month, so I'm trying to get back on, but like, um, make sure you stay active. And while you might not be able to go for like a hike in, you know, fill in the blank place, cause you're not getting on a plane, 
get yourself out there make sure you are still fulfilling filling those like activity and um outdoor buckets because I do think that that really matters yeah awesome thank you so much for sharing we have a question from the audience that says when you made a big career jump from finance to fashion and took a big pay cut is there anything that helped you remain focused on knowing it would pay off in the end I recently made a big career switch and struggling to make long-term goals for myself while learning so many new skills so quickly great question um I was a little young and um, optimistic when I made the move. I will call that out to start, but I think it helps to be young and optimistic when you're doing something like that. So I think while I took a major pay cut, to be very honest, I went from like a finance salary to a corporate salary, right? So it was still basically meant that I couldn't save if I was smart about how I budgeted every month. And I'm somebody who believes in not going into debt and um, at that time, not asking other people for money. Like I, I didn't want to have to call a parent or an older sister, for example, and say, hey, I can't pay my credit card bill this month. Can you help me? Like that was, those are just rules I have for life. And, um, and so it was, it, was, it was a major pay cut, but I viewed it as investing in my future because I talked to a lot of people that had then gone to business school after having done a similar type of switch and they believed it truly um, helped them get the longer term career. So what at least I knew was if I did this and I still decided to go to business school and do all of that, that you know, even if I didn't start a, a business as I ended up doing, I would still have, um, have a really great, have really great potential in my corporate career. And right, when I went into business school, I was like, two, one of two things is going to happen. I'm going to start a business and I'm going to keep being able to be an entrepreneur. Or if that doesn't pan out, I'll go back to and work in corporate retail and be able to work my way up to ideally like the C-level, right? That's one of the reasons I wanted to get an MBA is because when I looked at the COO, CFO types in the industry, well, there's not a ton of MBAs in those specific roles, you see a lot. Um, and so that was, that was kind of how I did it. And I, I'm like a risk mitigator um, in life. So the way I thought it was like, okay, well, what are the risks? What's the opportunity? How do I mitigate those risks? And, um, and then also part of it was like, when I showed up at that job, I was like, I'm not staying at this salary for, I'm going to stay at the salary at this, and, this, and at this level for the shortest period of time. So I worked harder than every other person around me. I was there earlier. I was there later. I was taking on everything and anything. I made myself invaluable, right? So I learned that my boss actually liked to leave at 5 p.m. every day. But our CEO would walk around and have questions often after that. And what was really nice, if you were the only person sitting in your entire team's area, because we had like an open, an open floor, pan, floor, floor plan, he didn't care who he was talking to. He just wanted an answer to his question. And if you got to be the person to answer the question, it meant that the next day, maybe at a meeting, he'd be like, ah, Deepa. Do you know, do you want to answer questions? Do you have something interesting? And I was able to actually build like, I mean, with him and our like VP of finance, they liked to come at the end of the day, which I now that I'm in that type of role. That's often the only time in the day that you have to even like think about things because you're in meetings all day. At that time, I didn't even understand, right? What their lives were like, but they would walk around. And I was the one person that was there that knew the answer. And if I didn't know the answer, I figured it out. Right. Um, so I worked really hard. So that's the other thing. I, I did this and I worked really hard. Um, the other thing, I think part of your question was about um, long-term goals, talking to people, like using your networks, coming to things like this, 
I think that helps a ton with long-term goal planning. Um, it's hard. It really is to do that. But I think the more people you talk to and the more you hear about other people's stories, you're able to identify like, ooh, that sounds interesting. Or, oh, I would never want to go to that, right? <laughs> like, and, um, and start to like really think through that. And I'd look at who your role models are, whether they're people you know or people that you follow, um, see what they have done and, be, and there's probably something in there. There's probably something that they do that inspires you. Right. And I, I say like, be a person that's gonna inspire other people one day, right? And, um, and anybody that's in this type of conference, right? To me is somebody who has high goals and wants to do really great things with their lives. And it's just a matter of um, building those goals and then working towards it. Perseverance is very, very clutch in the process of like achieving your goals. It's, you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you don't have that grit, resilience, and perseverance, perseverance, are you going to achieve that goal? Maybe not. Wow. That was so amazing. Thank you so much. I have chills. Everything that you're saying, I'm thinking about all these things. I'm rearranging my to-dos, setting boundaries, making sure I'm taking care of myself. Can you, can we get into more fun stuff and share your favorite quote? Or one of what's so funny, there was a time in my life where I like lived by quotes. Yeah. Um, but I actually it's not on this desk. I actually have one, which is um, so this is a quote that has been with me since 2005. And it says, Life isn't about finding yourself, life is about creating yourself. Like, right? It's about living life by design. And um, my sister. I'm sure you guys have all seen like these quotable quote cards. They were like a big thing in like the 2000s, not the 2010s, but all good. And um, and now we're in like 2021. Anywho, so my sister, rock star, super supportive of me, my biggest champion to this day. So at many junctures in my life, she gave me quotable quote cards. And at one point I had them like all up on a wall. I probably should recreate that. But um, this was one of the first ones she gave me and she gave me, um, she gave it to me when I was in college and it was so powerful because I was like, yes. And actually when I was trying to decide to leave Lehman to go to Club Monaco or start my own business, it's one of those things that always has been in the back of my head. And um, yeah, I think it is totally a quote to live by. And I thank my sister for giving it to me. I think she saw something in me before I even saw anything. And I'm going to read what she wrote to me in 2005 um, after this, because it'll be interesting to see, but um, I think it's a good one. And like live life by design. I love, love, love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, What does it mean to be a creative woman to you? To think differently, right? So I think like for me, I love that question because like for Jessie, yeah, she is a creative, like by, by definition, right? She's an artist, she's a designer, she's all of the above. Um, I might not necessarily be that, but I think I'm really creative with Excel. Um, <laughs> but I think it's more, are you, like to be creative means you see the world, you get inspired by the things around you and you create things that are better. So you innovate, you change, you shift, you push boundaries, right? And I think you don't necessarily need to be like quote unquote like design creative right or like art creative I think you can just be it means you're like more open-minded and see the possibility and the potential 
and go for it and try to figure out how can then you, based on your skills and your capabilities, do something. I love that. I love that. It's absolutely everything that we think here at Creative Woman, what that means. It's like be a disruptor, pivot, you know, you can totally be into spreadsheets or you can totally be a a designer or you can be a scientist or an engineer. Every woman is a creative woman. You are surviving and going through every single day life, trying to find that balance and live with joy, you know? So I absolutely agree 100%. Wow. Talk about a human conversation. Deepa was so amazing and I'm so grateful to have had her here as a guest in our episode. I have personally been a customer of Dagny Dover for the past five years and I absolutely recommend their bags. They are just so, have the minimalistic feel, but they're just so essential and useful. They're just so fashionable as well. I always get compliments, so I highly recommend you check them out at dagnydover.com. Okay, that wraps up this week's episode. I'm so looking forward to sharing with you another exciting guest next week. Don't forget to tune in next week, but also rate and subscribe to our episodes. Thank you. Thank you.